This episode features depictions of graphic violence, harm against minors, and animal cruelty. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of the Skugabalder. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Icelandic legends for dramatic effect. Hello, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Each week, we travel the world in search of the most epic creatures from myth and legend, exploring who they are, where they come from, and what they say about the culture they terrorized. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we reach the last leg of our journey across legendary Iceland. We've studied vengeful spirits, sticky-skinned horses, and Iceland's famous huldafolk. This episode features one of the smallest monsters in our bestiary, but that doesn't mean it isn't dangerous. At first glance, the Skugabalder resembles a mangy fox, half wild with hunger. But when you look at it, and it looks at you, you die. Coming up, a fox enters the sheepfold. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything, so you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Iceland is one of the youngest human settlements in Europe. These settlements began tentatively in the 9th century CE, a scattershot group of Nordic and Celtic migrants. When they arrived in the summer, they found a surprisingly green landscape, the perfect home for the sheep, horses, and dogs they'd brought with them. Cats were soon integrated as well to deal with the rats and mice that hitched a ride on settler ships. The new Icelanders excitedly set up their sheepfolds and fishing shacks. They'd come prepared to protect their flocks from wolves. But there were no wolves, only foxes. They were strange creatures, long and gangly, with white, tan, and partially black fur. The settlers were less than thrilled to see these wiry canids carrying off their precious lambs. In harsh winters, one missing animal could be the difference between life and death. Now, there's nothing mythical about a fox, unless it breeds with a cat. It's said that the offspring of a cat and a fox is either a scoffing or a scugabalder. 
If the run-of-the-mill Arctic fox was a nuisance that could turn deadly, these mythical offspring are deadly predators disguised as a nuisance. These beasts are far more vicious than their parents. The scoffing were the result of a male fox mating with a female cat. The Scugabalder, on the other hand, were fathered by a tomcat and born in the wild to a female fox. Legend held that they were near unkillable. Any firearm aimed at a Scugabalder was sure to misfire, so your only hope was to dispatch the beast with a silver blade. Getting close would be difficult, though. If their gaze fixed on you, you would drop dead on the spot. The meaning of the balder in Scugabalder is unclear, but we know that Skuga means of shadows. The name was apt. Scugabalders were quite good at keeping to the dark recesses around sheep farms before dashing back into the forest. Whole communities had to come together to track and trick these wily animals. But destroying one Scugabalder didn't mean the killing was over. Ausdis hated the winter months. The darkness settled over the world like a blanket, leaving nothing but the wind over the still snow. People behaved strangely in the dark. They lost their minds, saw things that weren't there. Sometimes they hurt themselves, convinced that the night would never end. Ausdis had just lost her friend Hotdora to this sickness of the heart. She was devastated, but she was also the only one left who could assist in the birth of baby lambs. Ausdis had only ever watched Hotdora manage this messy business, but now there was no one else. Soon enough, she heard the scream of a ewe shake the sheepfold. Most ewes could deliver on their own. That was what Hotdora had told her, but Hotdora was not there, and the noises the animal was making were distressing. Ausdis pleaded with the ewe as if it could understand her. Oh, please be all right. You really don't want me to. She retched as a wave of fluid coated the hay. What to do next? Hotdora had always pulled gently at the lamb's feet once they appeared, and the feet were there. They looked a little strange, bent even. Ausdis took a deep breath and grabbed hold of the tiny hooves as the other sheep watched her. You and me, girl, come on. The ewe pushed, and Ausdis pulled in rhythm. She cooed at her, encouraging. Finally, she saw a round, wool-covered shape coming down the canal. The head was the goal. Once the head was out, Hotdora always said the work was generally done. Ausdis pulled again, but the mound of wool didn't curve downwards. There was no nose or eyes. It was the rump of the animal. The lamb was backwards. This was bad, very bad. The baby could drown in its own fluids. Ausdis had seen it happen. She adjusted her hold on the legs. Come on, girl, you can do this. She pulled as the ewe pushed. The lamb's hips came free. The back feet flailed, searching for ground. She held on as best she could. Almost, little one, almost. She kept pulling, and the ewe kept pushing, and the lamb kept kicking until it was exposed up to its mucus-covered shoulders. The sheep screamed as Ausdis gave one more big pull. The lamb landed in the straw, but it didn't move. Ausdis prayed, Please, little one, please, your mother's right here. 
The ewe was nearly spent, but she nudged and licked at the lamb's still form. The lamb's head lolled to the side, laying against its desperate mother. An eerie quiet overtook the sheepfold. There was no bleeding or shuffling of hooves, just deadly silence. Then it let out the smallest sliver of breath, then another, another. Austis fell to the hay beside them, exhausted. She whispered to the lamb, I think we'll call you Vesin, because you were more complicated than you had to be. The lamb bleated a protest, or perhaps an apology. Austis was too tired to tell. She decided she would sleep beside the sheep and her lamb and make her way back to the house in the brief daylight hours. Crossing to the servants' quarters was frightening at night. She wrapped her coat tight around her and settled into the straw, eyelids fluttering. She barely remembered to put out her candle before the even breaths of little Vesson carried her to sleep. Austi slept fitfully, her dreams filled with walking ghosts and feral horses. When she first heard the sound, she thought she was still in her nightmares. Something was chittering in the sheepfold. Austis opened her eyes blearily, squinting in the darkness. She heard the chittering again. She whispered, Hello? The chittering sounded almost like words, but not entirely. Hello? 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 It sounded like a fox, but that didn't make sense at all. Foxes couldn't talk. Austis sat up. Show yourself! The only answer was more chittering, like laughing this time. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Austis needed a weapon. She hunted for her shearing scissors in the straw. As she shifted her weight, she felt the spot where the lamb was sleeping. Where the lamb had been sleeping. There was only a small crater in the straw beside her. She heard a tiny bleat of distress that was suddenly silenced. This ugly little not-a-fox was getting away. Austis finally found the scissors. She lurched upwards and ran out into the polar night. The moonlit snow crunched beneath Austis's feet. Vesson, Vesson, where are you? She heard a panicked bleat near the woods and took off, hopping through the deep snowdrifts. She followed the sounds as the wind carried them away from her. She stumbled to the edge of the tree line and braced herself against a trunk. She heard another bleat. There was a shape in the snow about 10 feet ahead of her, glistening eggshell wool against the chilly white. Vesson! She ran over, but when she reached it, her hand flew to her mouth to hold in a scream. The little lamb was still bleeding somehow, even though its body had been nearly torn in two, hollowed out, and yet its little throat and tiny face were untouched. It looked up at her with milky eyes. She forced herself to speak. Oh, Vesson, it's all right. It's all right, little one. You can rest. Though she was terrified and nauseated, she ran her finger gently along its head, trying her best to soothe the poor, mangled creature. A high-pitched screech pierced the night. Austis froze. The thing had sounded so small before. Now, in the seemingly infinite dark, it sounded bigger. She heard another chirp right beside her. She turned. 
two yellow eyes stared at her between the trees. They beheld her, hungry and wanting. Unlike Vesson, there was no vicious end for Austis. No bloody claws raked along her throat. No teeth ripped her skin. The creature didn't need to move a muscle. From the moment those eyes fell on her, Austis was dead. Coming up, we follow the Skugabalder back into the shadows. What could be more shocking than uncovering the dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Molly from the Parkhead series Conspiracy Theories. Each week, we take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction, revealing that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. The rise and fall of J. Edgar Hoover, 75 years of Roswell, the tragic death of Princess Diana. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may be just outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Now back to the story. Shadow was born in the darkest hour of the darkest night of the darkest month of the year. His mother, a vixen, was proud of that. Out of all the foxes in the forest, she had been chosen by the great tomcat to bear his child, his Scoogabalder. Shadow's fur was dark as night and just as deep, which was how he got his name. Though his mother could not teach him how to fully use his powers, she taught him how to hunt and how to play. Most importantly, she taught him when was the right time for each. Every now and then, the tomcat came by. He was a big orange thing, heavy with a bushy tail that collected snow like dust. He would bluster as he entered the woods, yowling for all to hear. It is I, the tomcat. Come near that I may take your tribute. All the creatures respected the tomcat for his ability to manipulate the humans. He would explain his methods to them in plain terms. You must look directly at them when you take their things. Show the humans your dominance, and they will reward you with milk and warmth. But somehow when the foxes tried to be like the tomcat, the humans only threw stones. Though he was part cat, Shadow was more fox than feline, so humans weren't about to give him milk and warmth either. The tomcat consoled him. Be not afraid, little Skugabalder. You were not meant to charm. If you were, you would not have that beautiful gaze of yours. It had taken time for Shadow to get used to the power of his eyes. He didn't even need anyone to see him. All he had to do was stare intently at a human and down they fell. 
Sometimes he used his eyes immediately. Other times he kept his focus soft, his gaze a little fuzzy so he could enjoy the feeling of a living thing wriggling beneath his claws. This made it quite easy to get whatever human food he liked. His favorite were the lambs. He lived quite happily, feasting on mutton and reveling in the cries of his benefactors. Until one day, something changed. There was far more activity in the sheepfold than usual. The brawnier humans milled about with long metal tubes at their sides. Shadow decided to get closer. He liked to collect human words and wanted to practice. Aus dies, they kept crying. He'd never heard this word before. It seemed to belong to the young human girl who'd come running after him when he'd grabbed a lamb. The thought didn't stay long in his mind. He had hunting to do. He was sneaking between the sheep, sneaky as a wisp of smoke, when it happened. A post about five feet away from him exploded in a hail of splinters. He looked up to see a human aiming his metal tube at him. He was about to kill the man with a look, but then something very strange happened. Smoke and sparks burst from the rear end of the tube, singeing its human owner so badly that he stumbled back. His companions tried to fire, calling out that strange word, Austis, again, and quick before it looks at you. But their weapons smoked too. Shadow had never seen such sorcery, and he didn't know what to make of it, so he ran deep into the woods, back where his mother lived. He asked her what had happened. She nuzzled him in apology. Oh, Shadow, I should have told you. Those things, those guns, they cannot harm you. Nothing can but sharp and sterling silver. Tomcat says that is his doing, but I think it makes you a very sly fox, and it is therefore mine. Shadow nodded to his mother, but he was barely listening. This notion of near invulnerability filled him with excitement. Now he could truly explore. Shadow stalked into town in broad daylight. His bushy tail bounced behind him. He chittered to himself as he went, enjoying the walk. The humans froze and whispered to each other before ducking back into their homes. Shadow smiled. This was better than being pampered like his father. He truly commanded fear. Shadow was careful to keep his gaze sliding along the line of human houses, not lingering long enough to kill, yet. He was growing peckish when nature, as always, provided. A little human dashed across the square, wailing. The pup's mother went after it. Shadow got there first. He slashed across the boy's chest, pressing down with his paws as he attacked the sticky sinew with his mouth. He liked to leave their throats intact so he could hear the sounds they made. The human language was so funny, and he was getting better each time he tried it. Unfortunately, the little human didn't seem to know any good words. The human woman tried to run at him, but he let out a squeaking bark at her, baring his teeth. He stared at her. She fell to the ground. Screams went up. Chaos erupted in the village. The humans ran to and fro. Shadow watched with a gentle focus. Sometimes it was more fun to see them flee. But not as much fun as it was to catch them. He skittered around the town square, yipping and chittering. 
Hello, hello, hello. He greeted them as he tore out their throats and feasted on their flesh. When one seemed out of reach, he narrowed his eyes and watched them collapse to the ground. And so it went, bite and stare, bite and stare, as sickly sweet blood dripped down his canines. Suddenly, the panicked crowd parted to reveal a mountain of a man. He had another one of those silly guns in his hand. Shadow chittered as the man took aim and fired. The bullet went wide, as he expected. Shadow giggled and returned to his messy meal. The man-mountain growled at him. Shadow snarled right back. The man dashed behind a building. He said some words Shadow didn't know. One way, silver, molten. And one word he did know, now. Shadow's eyes narrowed. He spat out some splintered bones and stalked towards the alley where the man was hiding. The man poked the tube part of his gun out beyond the wall. Shadow didn't give him the chance to fire. He leapt at the man, knocking him onto his back. The gun was braced between them. Shadow chittered happily. Tell the tomcat I said hello. These were his father's humans, after all. Shadow bared his teeth, ready to sink them into the man's eyes. Suddenly, he jerked to the side. He dug his claws into the man's clothes, barely managing to stay on his perch. Shadow looked up to see a girl, maybe 11 or so. The gun in her hand was smaller than the others, but still smoking. This time, impossibly, it had struck true. Had his mother lied to him? No, his mother wouldn't lie. It felt like his chest was burning. Shadow stepped away from the man, studying the trail of red he'd left in the snow. He looked up to kill the girl, but his eyes wouldn't focus. They swam like his head. The girl hauled the man to his feet. They both took off running for the church. Shadow stumbled forward. He knew the tomcat had been shot once. An unfortunate mishap, his father had said. A miscommunication. And he was fine. Yes, it hurt now, but Shadow would be fine. The man and girl made it to the covered entrance of the church and rushed inside. The door shut behind them. Shadow followed. He scratched at the door, using his favorite word, the pleasant sound he'd learned in the sheepfold. Hello, hello, hello. When no one came out, Shadow stopped. He'd been saving the man for his delicious words, but this was getting ridiculous. He crept along the porch, teeth clenched against the burning in his side. He hid in the shadows of the small covered roof and waited. Shadow could hear hushed voices behind the doors. These humans were easier to frighten than sheep. He hunkered down, ready to spring. He would kill the man first, his gaze piercing and true. He'd stop the girl's scream with his teeth. Then he would gorge himself on the feast inside. They would learn that nothing could stop the Skugabalder, not even their silly little bits of metal. The door creaked open. Shadow pounced down from the roof. His gaze no longer swam. It was as sharp as his extended claws, ready to kill. But then he bounced off water, solid water. It was like ice, but different, more reflective. He did not know that this thing was called a mirror, and he didn't realize that he was looking 
into his own eyes. It was something he'd never done before and something he would never do again. Coming up, revenge is a dish best served in the cold. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Now, back to the story. The Tomcat had been sleeping. Sleeping was very important to him, so he'd been quite irritated when he was woken by several shouts. He padded out of the stable and into the town square. There was red everywhere. At first, he thought the humans were having a festival, but then he saw the bodies. The people hurried about, checking their kin for signs of life. The tomcat's gaze fell on one body that wasn't human, a small, dark form in front of the church. It was Shadow. The Skugabalder's eyes were wide and open, still staring at the mirror beneath him. The tomcat was stunned. He would have helped if he could. Of course he would have. How could he have predicted that Shadow's gaze would be the thing that did him in? He was the tomcat's son. He was supposed to be perfect. Days passed, the square was cleaned, the dead were buried. Shadow's killer, a man they called Sferdier, made him into a hat. The tomcat hadn't wanted to know any of this. He knew the vixen would ask him every detail later, and he was terrible at keeping the truth from her. But the tomcat liked the inn at the center of town. It had been his before Sverdier's. Stupid human should have known that. The inn was busy that night. The villagers were still celebrating the great victory over the Skugabalder. Every cheer that went up made the tomcat's tail bristle. The innkeeper, a weathered woman of a certain age, scratched him under the chin. I don't imagine that was your boy, eh, Tom? You make some Skugabalders this past full moon? The tomcat pulled away from her hand and turned around on the counter. She didn't understand the magic that went into such creatures, the power they had. She tutted, Oh, be that way. You'll be back for your milk in the evening. The tomcat doubted it. They needed him. Perhaps he'd leave this town and stay in the woods. Then they'd be up to their waists in rats, and he could make a little home with the vixen. Maybe they'd make another Skugabalder. 
Maybe that would make it hurt less. Probably not. The innkeeper brought Sverdier another round. He avoided her questions about the bill. Come now, you wouldn't charge the town hero. The innkeep deadpanned. You're right, I'll charge the town. Sverdier let out a barking laugh. Ha, yes, you do that. It's not every day you kill a scugabalder. The innkeeper raised an eyebrow. Ah, so only once a week then? Sverdier glared, not appreciating the sarcasm. Once a season, let's say. I've never heard one talk, though. The innkeep cocked her head to the side. It talked? The tomcat's right ear twitched, turning towards their conversation as unobtrusively as possible. Sverdier continued, I swear on my mother's tomb. She clearly still didn't believe it. Well, what did the Skugabalder say? Sverdier took another swig of his drink. It said, tell the tomcat I said hello. The tomcat hadn't realized he was purring. The sound echoed around his ribcage, a self-soothing purr, not a joyous one. He missed his boy. He should have taught him better. He should have kept him out of the village. The tomcat took his usual route to climb up into the inn's rafters, padding across the beams until he was just above Sverdier. He waited only a second before he pounced. The tomcat sank his claws and teeth into Sverdier's neck. Sverdier yelped in surprise and grabbed at the tomcat, trying to pull the animal off of him. But the tomcat held on, burrowing his fangs deeper and deeper into the murderer's flesh. Sverdier's friends tried to leap to his defense, but he was flailing too much for them to take hold. He thrashed back and forth, knocking over furniture, clutching at posts. Two of them finally managed to hold Sverdier still. The tomcat kept clawing and tearing, teeth still lodged in the man's jugular. They tried to pull the tomcat away, but it only ripped Sverdier's throat open wider. Panicked, one of them took up a hunter's sword and brought it down on the tomcat's neck. The cat's body twitched, then hung limply from his half-sawed-off head. Sverdier teetered precariously, then he collapsed, drained of life. Shadow was avenged in some small way. In the end, they decapitated the tomcat, hoping to get a better angle to rip his jaws open and free the town hero. But the dead feline held on, teeth clenched around Sverdier's throat. Sverdier was buried that way, with his sword, his bow, and the severed head of a cat attached to his neck, never to be parted. Soon, no one remembered the defeat of the Skugabalder, only blustering Sverdier, the drunk who died as he lived, a beast killing a beast. From the wolves of Yellowstone to the tigers of India, nature's predators have come into closer contact with civilization as human developments encroach on animal hunting grounds. While this can result in human deaths and cattle losses, the greatest impact is almost always on the predator itself. And Iceland has been dealing with this problem ever since it was settled. The early Icelanders relied heavily on sheep for their way of life, and sheep require grazing land. 
Iceland's Arctic foxes gladly took advantage of the buffet the settlers had laid out for them. Iceland's 20-plus hours of night during the winter made handling any kind of farm nuisance difficult. The foxes could grab a lamb and dash back into the woods before a shepherd could find them in the dark. The Skugabalder is a nightmarish extension of this eternal struggle between predator and shepherd. But the most frightening thing about the Skugabalder and its cousin, the Skafine, is their near-invincibility. Even if you do catch them, only a blade or silver bullet will be able to harm them. That means you need to get in close and get out fast. A cornered fox is a dangerous fox, with or without the deadly gaze. Today's tale was partially based on the most famous story of the Skugabalder, which comes from northern Iceland. In this legend, a group of men banded together to corner and kill a Skugabalder. As it died, it muttered, Tell the cat at Botlastavir that Skugabalder was stabbed today in the ravine. When one of the men returned to Botlastavir, he told the story. A cat overheard and mauled him to death, not releasing his throat until it was decapitated. This story expands the Skugabalder's ability to make trouble even beyond its unnaturally long life. Nature avenges its own, and Iceland will always be a wild country, home to active volcanoes and frigid polar nights. There's no telling what happens in the shadows of the fjords, or what will emerge from the long, long night. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. That's all for the frigid wastes of Iceland. We'll be back next time with an all-new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Jen Rache, edited by Robert Teamstra and Kate Murdoch, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Adriana Gomez, and produced by Travis Clark. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 